Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. Preacher, give an invitation. Wow, the only thing I don't like about that video is everything I say will sound lackluster after hearing that. What an amazing video. What a great worship service today. And, uh, you you know, I was thinking earlier when we were really in the throes of worship, and it was loud, exciting, atmospheric, energizing. If you're going to call yourself River of Life, you can't be dull. I mean, it just, that just wouldn't work. But we are River of Life, and we believe that there is a River of Life. And that's the reason we named this church River of Life. We believe there's a river, uh, and it's God's river, and we want to be in that river. Open your Bibles to the book of Malachi, the third chapter. In our study of Malachi, we have come to the last part of the book that deals with how to return to the Lord. And what we find uh, in this last section of the book of Malachi is God says to them, Return to me, and I will return to you. That's real simple, isn't it? Return to me, and I will return to you. And the nation of Israel responded to the prophet of God this way, In what way shall we return? And what Malachi does is he gives them a three-step process in returning to the Lord. Three practical things to do. First of all, he tells them you need to get your finances in order where you put God first. We dealt with that last week. And then he said you need to get your words in order. Your words need to line up with God's word. And then thirdly, Uh, And we'll deal with words this morning, and then next week we'll deal with this one. Get your heart in order. If you want to be right with God, you return with your finances, you return with your words, and you return with your heart. In other words, God wants all of you. He, He wants your whole life. He wants everything. Now, the three things that make this interesting is that with each one of these steps, God makes a promise. For instance, if you get your finances in order, God promises that He'll open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings upon you that you can't even imagine. And if you get your words in order, not only will they please God, but God says that He will write them down in heaven as a memorial of your faith. And then if you get your heart right with God... Those three things, and I think they're all together, but when you get your heart right with the Lord, the promise that we'll find next week is that God promises supernatural deliverance in times of need and in times of of judgment. Now again, last week we dealt with finances. Today, we will deal with words. I want to begin with a poem that confronts us with a very important question. It's It's a poem by Edgar Guest. It goes like this. I watched them tearing a building down, a gang of men in a busy town. With a ho-heave-ho and a lusty yell, they swung a beam 
and a side wall fell. I asked the foreman, are these men skilled in the men you'd hire if you had to build? He gave a laugh and said, no, indeed. Just common labor is all I need. I can easily reckon a day or two what builders have taken a year to do. I thought to myself as I went my way, which of these roles have I tried to play? Am I a builder who works with care, measuring life by the rule and square? Am I shaping my deeds to a well-made plan, patiently doing the best I can? Or am I a wrecker who works the town, who walks the town content with the labor of tearing down? What a question. It's a question that I need to ask myself and you need to ask yourself. Are we building something up or are we tearing it down? Are we building other people up or are we tearing them down? Are we building the kingdom of God up or are we tearing it down? That's an important question. Now what we find in Malachi's day is that God's people, listen up now, with their words were tearing down the very thing that God wanted to build up. Their words were interfering with His grand and glorious plan of salvation. God had chosen the nation of Israel to represent Him, and now these chosen people were actually getting in His way. Can you think of anything more disturbing than to be chosen to do something and then to hinder the very thing you were chosen to do? Well, here's the deal. God's people, their words were out of order. Their words were not lining up with His words. And when when God's people say things that don't line up with the Word of God, it's confusing. The picture of salvation gets twisted and it gets distorted. And people aren't sure at all what they should do. There was uh, a story that's told about Mahatma Gandhi. He was the spiritual leader of India. And on one occasion some missionaries asked him, what is the greatest hindrance to Christianity in India? You know what he said? Christians. Everybody knew what he was saying. What's the greatest hindrance to Christianity in India? Christians. The way they talk, the way they walk, the way they live, that's what, where the hindrance is. I wonder what the greatest hindrance to Christianity in America is. We might want to think it's Washington. We might want to think it's the alcohol and drug industry or the pornography industry. But could it be Christians? Could it be us? Could it be the fact that we're, we're not doing what we should do and should be doing and saying what we should say? Could it be that the words of those who claim to be Christians in the household of faith, in the family of God, could it be that our words are not lining up with God's Word? Now, regardless of how you answer that, we know that that's exactly what was going on in Malachi's day. We know that. When our words are wrong, it corrupts religion. I'm not talking about the world out there. I'm talking about us. I'm talking about believers. I'm talking about you and me. When our words are wrong, it corrupts religion. 
It raises up wickedness. It, it distorts the truth. And it frustrates our God. And Malachi is making this point. I'll read first of all from Malachi 3. We'll start in verse 13. It says, your words have been harsh against me. Now think about this. God is saying, your words have been harsh against me, says the Lord. Yet you say, what have we spoken against you? You have said, it is useless to serve God. What profit is it that we have kept his ordinances and that we have walked as mourners before the Lord of hosts? So now we call the proud blessed, for those who do wickedness are raised up. They even tempt God and go free. Uh, I'll also read from Malachi 2, chapter 2, verse 17. You have wearied the Lord with your words. This is some strong language. Yet you say, in what way have we wearied Him? In that you say, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord. And he delights in them. Do you, do you hear this? That what you're saying is those who are practicing evil are good in the sight of the Lord. And that God delights in them. Kind of sounds like a lot of modern day Christianity, doesn't it? Or where is the God of justice? Now, here's the point of the prophet. The prophet is saying that what's wrong in the nation of Israel, first of all, he, he tells them that they, they stop putting God first in their finances and in their life. And then he says, your words don't line up with God's word. And God's not pleased with that. God says one thing and you say something else. And they were to be his chosen people. And the prophet is trying to get them to realign themselves with the Word of God and what God is saying. I was reminded recently of something that uh, happened a long, long time ago. It was up in the mountains, and I didn't know Brother Othan and Sister Lila Ruth would be here uh, this morning, but good to see you. I just refer to them as Grandma and Grandpa. We were at their cabin some of you were eyewitnesses. We have a few people that were there. And we were doing some Bible studies, and they asked me if I'd lead a Bible study out on the front porch. I don't know how many. It seems like there was 10 or 12 of us there. And I was leading a Bible study, and we all knew each other, and we all loved each other. And somewhere in the middle of that Bible study, I read something... And there was a lady in that group, sweet, precious lady. She loved me before the prayer meeting and she loved me after the prayer meeting. I mean, after the Bible study. But when I, when I read that, she said, I don't believe that. Now, in any other situation, I would have reasoned with her according to Scripture. But since we knew each other and we all loved each other, it was a perfect opportunity for me to be a smart aleck. <laughs> she said, I don't believe that. And I responded, it's okay, just tear that page out of your Bible. And everybody laughed. 
But we talked about it for a while. Just tear that page out of your Bible. And you know, I've been thinking about that. I think maybe that should, that's some good advice. So what I want to recommend to you today is, next time you're reading your Bible and you run across something that you don't like in it, just tear that page out and throw it away. And, and, and then the next time you read your Bible and you find something you don't like, just tear that page out and throw it away. And day after day, every time you find something in the Bible you don't like, just tear that page out and throw it away. And then one day, you will have a Bible that agrees with everything you believe. And that will be good, right? No? You see, that's not the point of Scripture, is it? It's not to take the Bible and line it up with what we believe. The whole purpose of the Word of God is to move us from where we are to get into proper alignment with a holy God. That's the purpose of reading the Bible and studying the Bible. Hosea is dealing with people who didn't want to let God be God. They wanted to, to reinvent God, redesign God, so that he would fit into their culture and their plans. And Malachi saying, you can't do that. You can't do that. Now, I, I, I know I'm being ridiculous, and nobody here is going to go home and tear a page out of your Bible. If you do, we'll move your membership to another church. So, so, so you're not going to do that. But would you listen to me, friends? When the Bible says one thing about marriage... And you say something else, you just tore that page out of your Bible. You didn't do it physically, but spiritually you did. When the Bible says one thing about your finances and putting God first in your life, and you say, oh, that doesn't apply to our day, you just tore that page out of your Bible, didn't you? When the Bible says one thing about the sanctity of human life and that God knew us before we were even born, while we were still in our mother's womb, and if you say it's not life at all until after birth, you just tore that page out of your Bible. You hear me? When the Bible says one thing about morality and about decency and about holiness... And when you say, that's old-fashioned, you don't have to live according to that holy standard. You can live down here, and it's okay. And God will still be pleased with you. You just tore those pages out of your Bible. Do you hear me? You see, friends, one of the things that I fear, as I get older, I fear this. I think about my grandchildren growing up. Uh, in America and their children growing up in America. I fear that all across this nation of ours that Christians, church-going people, just like you and me, that we have torn so many pages out of our Bible that you can hardly tell the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian anymore. We've just taken those things out. We rip them out of the Bible. We say something that doesn't line up with God's Word at all. 
Well, there's another prophet in the Old Testament that kind of helps us out with these words. Hosea 14.2. This is what it says. This is so interesting. I have loved this verse for many years. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Let's just stop right there for a moment. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Sometimes we stumble into God's presence having no idea what we'll say. But the prophet is saying, you need to think about what you're going to say. Get your words in order. If you were to appear before, or had plans to appear before some dignitary, you'd start thinking about what you would say before you got there. He said, take words with you and return to the Lord. And then he actually tells them what to say. Say to him, forgive all of our sins and receive us graciously. That's a good prayer. But it's the end part I want you to see. That we may offer the fruit of our lips. Do you understand what Hosea is saying here? He's saying, take words with you and return to the Lord. Ask Him to forgive you. But the whole purpose of that repentance is so that from that moment forward, the fruit of your lips will be pleasing to Him. Your words will be in proper alignment with Him. You see, friends, God wants us to agree with Him. That's what He wants. He wants our words to line up with His words. He wants us to say what He says. God wants us to know that He will return to us, but in order for us to return to Him, our words have to line up with His words. We have to start believing what He says, and we have to start saying what His Word says. It's pretty neat when you do it. It it feels good. So, let me just take you through a little exercise. Are you ready? I need some audience participation now. So I want you to, I want you to speak up. So just uh, repeat after me. God loves me. The Bible says so. That's a good start. All right. Yeah. All right. It's a good start, isn't it? Yeah. I like it. How, how about this? How about this? Jesus died for me. The Bible says so. I can be forgiven of all my sins. The Bible says so. He will give me a new heart. The Bible says so. This is good, isn't it? Yeah. I, I can defeat the enemy. Say it. Who's trying to defeat me. The Bible says so. It does. I, I can be more than a conqueror. The Bible says so. I can become a new creation. The Bible says so. I feel better already, don't you? Don't quit. Let's, let's take it. Let's take it a little bit longer. My broken heart can be mended. The Bible says so. I can have joy, peace, and happiness. The Bible says so. I'm, I'm just lifting. We can put a scripture with every one of these. I'm just lifting. I can return to the Lord God who loves me. Say it. The Bible says so. 
I tell you, let's end with this one. Everybody loves this one. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because the Bible says so. Yeah, come on. I got two people. Yay! Now, now what we did is we just we pulled out some some real enjoyable positive statements, and they're true, every one of them. Beyond your wildest dreams, they're true. And we agree with all those things, don't we? But when the Bible says your heart is wrong, you have to say, My heart is wrong. When the Bible teaches us that the way you're thinking is out of proper alignment, you have to say, my thinking is wrong. When the Bible says that what you're doing is wrong, you can't argue with it or try to diminish the Scriptures. You have to say, what I'm doing is wrong. When the Bible says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, you have to say, I'm a sinner who has come short of the glory of God. I agree with that, and I need a Savior, and I will trust Him as my Lord and Savior. You see, it's a matter of not just taking the positive, but taking the difficult part, the the negative part, and confessing it, being honest. But I can tell you, there is something supernaturally powerful about our words lining up with God's word. And, and, and all Malachi is doing is he's saying that God wants to return to you, but you have to return to him. You have to do it by putting God first in your finances, in your possessions, and then you do it by getting your words in order. God cares about our words. I, I've preached several messages right lately about our words. You have to get your words in order. And when you do, wow, this is exciting. Uh, I'm going to read from Malachi 3.16-18. through 18. It says, Then those who feared the Lord spoke. You see this? We're still talking about words. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. And the Lord, what? Listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before Him for those who feared the Lord and who meditate on His name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on the day that I made them my jewels. And I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. Then you shall again discern between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. Do you understand that the nation was so backslidden that they were no longer discerning between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve God? Again, doesn't that sound like America? Not much difference at all. And I love it. It says, and the Lord listened and heard them. And it says, so a book of remembrance was written before him. What it amounts to is what God is saying about his children is he's saying, when they fear me and when they love me, when, when, when they uh, put me first, when they honor me and they say something by faith, then God says, I want that written down. A book of remembrance. Can't you just see it? A mom or dad, you got your child, maybe they're just learning to talk, uh, they're young and they say something that's sweet and precious and wonderful, and you write it down because you don't want to forget it. I still have parents tell me things that their children said a long time ago. Well, here, this is, this is not 
us, this is what God does. God says, I mean, that He's writing, He's listening, and then He's He's making a record. He's writing it down. What's being said? Can't, can't you see it now? God's saying, did you hear that? That's my boy. Did you hear that? That's my, that's my girl. That's my child. Did you, hear, did you hear what they said? Come here, angel scribe. Write that down. I want that written down. I want that written down as a memorial. Now, this may not excite you now, but one day it will excite you because you're going to get to heaven and there are going to be some things written down in heaven that are all about earth and about what has been going on here. You see, I believe, and if you've been around me long and you've heard me preach, I believe when you get to heaven there will be libraries in heaven. I believe there will be a lot of books in heaven. I'll tell you, I also believe this. I believe there will be Bible study classes in heaven. I believe there will be science classes in heaven. I believe we'll study things that we've always wanted to know the answer to. I believe we'll learn so much more when we get to heaven than we ever dreamed possible. I believe that there will be at least one library, maybe more. And in that library, there will be books. And there will be a book that has your name on it. A book that has my name on it. And I believe, now I'm just telling you what I believe. Because it, it just lines up, I'm filling in the gaps, but it lines up with God's Word. I'm going to be able to go into the library of heaven and pull your book. Read what you said. Now don't, don't get all nervous. Remember, this is heaven. If it's there and you're there, you got there under the blood, and all the bad stuff is under the blood and blotted out. There won't be any bad words in heaven, trust me. No bad words. I'm not saying there won't be some answering when we arrive, but that's under the blood. I'm going I'm to be able to pull your book. Go over and pull that Al Terrell book. Let me, see what old, let me see what Al was talking about. Those things that he said by faith. Those times when you spoke and your words of faith lined up with God's Word. God wrote it down as a memorial. Those times when your words of love lined up with His agape love. And God was so proud of you because you did what His Word says. Do, do you hear me? You hear where I'm going with this? Those times when you refused to say something ugly about your enemy and you chose to say something nice because that's what your God taught you to do in the Word. It does. It says, speak evil of no man. That's a direct quote. Those times when you told the truth even when you knew it would get you in trouble. Written down in heaven. Those times when you lovingly and humbly, I'm not talking about legalism, I'm not talking about being mean-spirited or arrogant, I'm talking about those times when you lovingly held up the holy standards of God, even though you knew the people around you would reject them. 
You did it because you love Him. And you didn't want to disappoint your Heavenly Father. You see, it's written down. So I was thinking, do you want your book to look like that? Or do you want your book to look like this? This is the way I want my book to look. And who knows, we might get to sit down with the Lord. I mean, it is eternity, right? There's no rush, right? Come here, let me show you. Right here. Let me show you right here. You were in the beauty shop. I I do go to the beauty shop every now and then. (laughs) Hey, men, if if you don't have pedicures, leave all that other stuff alone. Pedicures, that's the thing right there. That's the thing. I don't care. I don't care if you've got to sit up there with all them women. Go get your feet done. Or don't wear sandals. Look at here. He was, sit, he was sitting in that beauty shop. All them women around him. But he was unashamed of my name. Look at here. There he was. He he was in the wreck park. But he was unashamed of my name. You spoke out on my behalf right there. Look at there. No one else would come to the altar and worship. She came alone. She was unashamed. Record after record. Look here. He was in the courtroom. Unashamed of my name. Did you, did you know that David said that I'll be unashamed of you before dignitaries? Before kings? Look here. Just go through. Oh, at McDonald's. In Walmart. It's one thing to do it here. It's easy to do it here. But to talk about Jesus. I, I'm, just, I'm saying this, friends. I, 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 hope you, I hope this is coming through. But... God wants to return to you, but you have to return to Him. And that returning process involves every word that comes out of your mouth. It involves you coming into agreement with a holy God and His holy word and saying, Lord, I want to be yours. I want to be yours, Lord. I want to belong to you. And you return with all of your heart, with all of your words, and with all of your possessions you return to the Lord your God. And listen to this. When you agree with God about your sin, about your weakness, weaknesses and about your mistakes, when you agree with God about those things, it doesn't close the door, it opens the door. That's when God says that I'll return to you if you'll return to me. Would you bow with me in prayer? Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.